Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. My name is Grant Baldwin. Good to have you here with us today. Hope you're doing well. We are uh, into the month of May. Now, if you are just joining us, you are just tuning in, maybe you've caught us in the past month. As you may know, in the month of April, we did 30 days of podcasting, 30 episodes in 30 days, and we had a lot of great episodes. So if you haven't already, definitely go back, listen to those, subscribe to the show as well. But man, we packed in a lot of great stuff. So if you're just joining us, welcome. Really, really glad you're here. We typically do episodes twice twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, where we are teaching you all about the art and business of speaking. So we do a lot of listener interview or listener questions. We do a lot of just discussion and teaching and training. We do a lot of interviews as well. And so today we are going to be doing a listener Q&A. So this is a question that we've had come in a little bit from time to time talking all about websites. And you know how this is a question we get a lot about websites. And so we get into this in, in other episodes as well. But we're going to go into this a little bit more in depth here about getting a especially the domain. Do you need to use the .com or the .net? Or what if your name isn't available? And you know some of those different nuances of getting the domain name for your speaking business and how critically important that is. So again, we're going to get into that today. But before we do... Let me quickly remind you, we do uh, free workshops every single week teaching you all about the business of speaking, how to get started, how to find speaking engagements, how to book speaking engagements, how much to charge, all of that. So if you would like to join us on an upcoming workshop, you definitely want to stop by freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Definitely check that out, my friend. We would love, love, love to have you join us on an upcoming workshop. And uh, again, totally free. We want to teach you all about the art and business of speaking. All right. So again, let's uh, get into it today. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, your website domain name and uh, just dealing with your just domain name issues and stuff that comes up. So uh, let's get into it. Here we go. All right. Now today we're going to be talking all about your website, talking about domains, domain names. I get a lot of questions about this. I get a lot of questions about having that website, what that domain name should be. So we're going to get into that in the thickness of it. We're going to get in the weeds of it today. Now, first of all, I'll tell you back in episode 36, episode 36, 36, we talked about getting your very first website set up. So definitely go back, listen to that one, which is, is going to be very complimentary to what we are talking about today. But again, that is episode 36. So definitely check that out. Now, when I teach about websites for speakers, there's two key things that I always mention. First of all, number one is that you have to have a website. Listen, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. You must have a website or people won't take you seriously. Now, whenever I say website, I'm not talking about, uh, I have a Facebook page. Does that count? No, 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 no. That does not count. I mean, an actual website that you can send people to. So first of all, you have to have a website or people won't take you seriously. Seriously. The second thing that I always mention 
is to use your name as the domain. Now, this is the part where people get stuck. What if my name is too hard to spell? What if my name is taken? Should I use the .org or .biz or .guru or whatever? So that's where we're gonna spend some time today talking about. So first of all, let me explain why I recommend using your name as the domain. See, one of the unique things about being a speaker is that you are the product, you are the brand. And so when someone books you to speak, they're not getting some type of random uh, widget or tool. They're buying you. You are the product. So this is one of the, again, the unique things about being a speaker is that you have to position yourself as the personal brand, as the go-to expert. Now, maybe you have some type of company or legal name, but in most cases, whoever is hiring you will never even know what your company name is. So for example, our legal name is the Baldwin Group, the Baldwin Group. But when people hire me to speak, they're not hiring the Baldwin Group. They're hiring Grant Baldwin. And in fact, I bet that most of our clients wouldn't even know what our legal name is. Now, in some cases, it may make more sense to use a company name instead of your personal name when branding. So let's talk about that for a second. I don't think this is, this won't apply for most people, but let me just kind of explain the, the differences here. The, the difference really comes down to whether you want to be a personal brand where people hire you to speak or you want to build some type of program where other people, other speakers could potentially present your material. So let me give you some examples of this. When I got started speaking, I worked briefly with two different companies uh, where I would go and present their material. One of them was called National Seminars, and I would go and I'd present seminars. Their material, their content, I would just go speak on behalf of National Seminars in these various cities. So they took care of everything. I would just show up and do the gig. And again, I'm using their material. I also worked with an organization called Making It Count, where I would go and present uh, school assemblies for the, on behalf of this organization. And in fact, there's a bunch of other speakers who would go out and speak on the speak to these school assemblies doing these presentations we'd all basically be doing the same thing and so it's not like they were hiring Grant Baldwin so I was just I was a representative of national seminars or making it count again they're not hiring me as a speaker they're hiring this company and Grant Baldwin just happened to be the speaker now in that model though again they have several different speakers who could go out and present the same material so it's almost like a franchise model where if you go to any McDonald's, you're pretty much going to get the same menu and the same experience. Although I'm not a fan of Mickey D's, uh, I wouldn't eat there, but that's beside the point. The, the franchise model is basically the way that some businesses are set up with speakers. So a question for you to ask yourself is, do you want a potential client to hire you or to hire your program, to hire you or your program. So some subtle differences there. I'll give you another example. Uh, part of the reason that we created the Speaker Lab brand was so it's not dependent on me. Now, I still have grantbaldwin.com. I use that for speaking. But as for this brand, for the Speaker Lab, we may bring in other teachers. We may have other people that help with the business and with the brand. So when you come to the Speaker Lab, hopefully it's something that isn't just about grant, but it's something that you can learn from a variety of different people. So do you see the difference there? So that will play a big part in your domain and the type of business that you may want to build. Now, maybe you're just getting started, you have no clue which type of business that you want to build, that's okay. You can start with something and always pivot to the other if you need to. I'll give you another example here. 
I've had GrantBaldwin.com for nearly a decade now, and only just recently did we start TheSpeakerLab.com as something separate from myself. So if you're just getting started, I would recommend that you start with the personal brand. Use your name as the domain. And again, later, if you decide to, you can always pivot or start kind of an extension or kind of a different brand that's maybe more of your program that is separate than you as the person. So having said all of that, let me give you some tips for your domain, a few basic rules to follow here. So I recommend at the most basic level that you use your first name, last name, dot com. First name, last name, dot com. So grantbaldwin.com, grantbaldwin.com. Now, I actually also bought the domain names for my wife and all three of my daughters because, again, your name as the domain is really, really important. Uh, you may also consider purchasing other suffixes such as uh, I have grantbalden.org and .me and .net. And so some of those other ones that you may consider buying. Uh, I actually had to purchase grantbaldwin.com from another guy who owned that URL, that domain name. So when I got started, I looked up grantbaldwin.com, found it was owned by by another guy named Graham Baldwin who uh, was a retired guitar teacher in California. And I remember looking up his number, tracking it down, giving him a call one night, which is a, a unique phone call to make. And so we talked for a bit. We exchanged emails over a few weeks. And eventually he decided to sell it to me for, I think it was something like $300, which actually in the land of domains is really, really cheap. So I, I kind of lucked out on that one. Uh, and in fact, I know that there's several other Grant Baldwins in the world too. Several of them added me as friends on Facebook. One of them I know is a documentary filmmaker. So I get emails and tweets for him sometimes. But again, at the, at the most basic level, the goal here is to use your first name, last name, dot com. First name, last name, dot com. Now let's talk about some different scenarios that may come up in this. Let's say you're going for your first name, last name, dot com. Oh, but it's taken. Oh crap. What do I do then? Okay. This happens. All right. This, I, I totally understand that this happens. So let's talk through some different options here. Uh, number one is that you could consider using your middle name or maybe a, a different name. You may consider using a middle initial. It's not preferred, but you could potentially do that. Other things. Number two, you could consider using other words in the domain. So you may consider using the word like the, the grantbaldwin.com, you know, something you could do something like that. If your goal is to primarily as a personal brand, primarily to be a speaker, you could use the word speaker in your domain name. So speakergrant.com or grantthespeaker.com. I don't know, something like that. So you may, you could do something like that. Now, again, if you plan on using this long term, then if you're going to at some point stop being a speaker or get out of speaking or speaking is not going to be a key part of your business, then you wouldn't necessarily want to kind of brand yourself or pigeonhole yourself with using the word speaker. So you have to kind of think that through. Uh, but any other like keywords related to what it is that you do. So if your name is Mike and you are a magician, you could use Magic Mike. Oh, uh, nope, don't do that. Never mind. Scratch that. Don't do. Don't use Magic Mike. So you just you have to kind of think through maybe what some other keywords would be related to what it is that you do. Another option, number three, we kind of touched on this, is, and we're going to talk about more of this in just a second, is you could use a different suffix, such as .net or .me. And again, we'll, we'll talk about more about that in just a second here. Another option, number four, would be you could, if that name is already taken, you know, yourname.com, you could offer to buy it. So again, that's exactly what I did. I actually also had to buy the speakerlab.com. And so if you wanted to do that, you could go through... I actually... 
I'll talk about this more in a second here. I actually, we buy our domains through GoDaddy. There's a bunch of different sites that you could use, but GoDaddy is what we have used. And so we've purchased thespeakerlab.com through GoDaddy. And then when I purchased grantbaldwin.com, trying to remember what that was through because that was that was literally like a, a decade ago so I'm not, I don't exactly remember what we used for that but there's a bunch of different types of services that you could use as just kind of a, a third party almost like a, a domain broker so you may consider doing something like that uh, but again you'll have to kind of look up and see are, is that person currently using it are they not using it like in my situation with the other guy who had grantbaldwin.com I saw that he was a it was a retired guitar teacher he wasn't teaching anymore his site was not up to date and so it's more likely like okay here's someone that has the site, but they're not using it. In that case, they may be willing to sell it to you. So you may check that out and look into that and see if that domain is actually being used or if someone's just sitting there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you're not in a situation where you have the same name as someone who also ha- like uh, also uses that name or that site or has some type of big name. I have a friend of mine whose name is actually Taylor Swift. I have another friend of mine whose wife is named Carrie Underwood. Uh, They are not getting those domains. No way at all. So hopefully you're not in one of those situations. Uh, Another option is number five would be that you consider using a pen name or some type of pseudonym. We actually have a whole episode on this. I'm not going to go into that here, but you can go check out episode 29. Episode 29. If that's a possibility, that's something you're interested in. We go in depth there on using a pen name for your name and speaking name and domain. So again, that is episode 29. So those are some different things that you could do if your name is taken as a domain. Now, what do you do if you're, let's talk about another situation. What do you do if your name is hard to spell? All right, you have a confusing name, a weird name. Let's talk about that. If your name is hard to spell, I would again, number one, I would consider using your middle name or again, not preferred, but you could use a middle initial, which again can be a little confusing there, but you may consider just using your middle name if that's going to be a simpler name to spell. Number two is you may consider a shortened spelling of your name. So for example, you may have heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk is kind of a unique, weird last name. It's a hard one, a hard last name to spell. So on a lot of his social media stuff, he uses Gary V. He just shortens it from Gary Vaynerchuk to Gary V. So he does that sometimes with just the letter V, and sometimes he will use V-E-E as the spelling there. So Gary V from Gary Vaynerchuk. So you may consider using some type of shortened spelling of your name. Another one, number three, is if you have a name that's hard to spell, come up with some really, 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 really simple explanation when you are using the domain or giving the domain. So, for example, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, whenever he is giving out his name, he always says that's Ferriss with two R's and two S's. Bam. Just because something like Ferris, uh, let's see here, how many R's, how many S's are in that? Is that with an E? So he just says, you know, you can go to Tim Ferriss, that's Ferriss with two R's, two S's. Boom. Just simple, simple explanation there. Uh, Another buddy of mine, Jeff Goins. Goins is one of those names that you're like, I think I know how to spell it. But the way he explains it is it's Goins, like the word coins, but with a G. So you just think, okay, okay, I know how to spell coins. Drop the C, put in a G. I know how to spell Goins. So Goins, like the word coins, but with a G. So having some type of very, very quick, simple explanation, if your name is hard to spell, may simplify it for people. 
another option here. Uh, number four would be like the previous example here. If your name has various spellings, actually, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a second. If your name basically has different spellings, you may consider buying some alternate spellings for your name and use one of those as the hub. And again, we'll, we'll talk about more of that in just a second. The other option, again, if your name is hard to spell is, again, consider using a, a pen name or some type of pseudonym, which again, that whole episode is in episode 29. So definitely check that out. Now let's talk about another situation or scenario. So we've talked about what do you do if your name is taken? What do you do if your name is hard to spell? The next option here would be what do you do if your name has various spellings? All right. If your name has various spellings, I would do two things. I would number one, first of all, decide which one will be the primary domain that is your hub. So of all the different spellings, which one is going to be the primary domain? Now, most likely it would be what your actual spelling of your name would be. And I'll give you an example of this in just a second. Uh, and then the second thing I would do would be to buy, buy the other variations and just redirect them to your main hub. And so when I say redirect, I mean, basically when someone puts in that alternate domain name, it basically just reroutes them to the one that you want them to go to. So I would consider doing that. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this here. My oldest daughter, her name is Sydney, which is commonly spelled as Sydney, like the city in Australia, S-Y-D-N-E-Y. But we spell it S-Y-D-N-E-E. -E. So again, for most people, whenever you first hear Sydney, you assume the traditional spelling of S-Y-D-N-E-Y. So what I would do in this situation is I would recommend buying Sydney Baldwin as the way we spell it, S-Y-D-N-E-E-B-A-L-D-W-I-N, spell it that way and making that one the hub, but then also consider buying the alternate spelling of sydneybaldwin.com. So S-Y-D-N-E-Y and just redirect it to the correct spelling of it. So, so she could, in her situation, she could say, uh, Sydney Baldwin, that's Sydney with two E's. So something like that. And people are like, okay, I have a pretty good idea of what that means without a lot of explanation there. So that would be, if your name has alternate spellings, if you have a name, my sister-in-law, her name is Alicia. Well, Alicia, there's uh, multiple ways that you can spell that, you know. So in Sydney's case, the most common way is Sydney, and we just spell it, a, happen to spell it a unique way. But there's other names that, again, like an Alicia, where there's a several common spellings of it. So you may want to buy the domains for a couple of those and redirect them to what your name actually is. So, okay, so th those are a couple different scenarios there. Now let's talk about uh, just using domains in general and uh, a couple different rules for it. First of all, Again, the .com is always preferable. .com is always, always, always preferable. The, the next options would be like the .net, the .org. Typically, .org is more for nonprofits, but you could probably get away with using it. And if you're a personal brand, you could also use .me, .me, again, because you are a personal brand. Now, there's some other ones like .co, .co is picking up some popularity. It's typically used more by like startup or tech companies, but I do not recommend that you use something like .info or .biz or .guru or just something dumb like that. Like ideally, if possible, especially as a personal brand, always, always, always try to get the .com. Uh, another rule for domains is don't use hyphens or punctuation. Don't use hyphens or punctuation. So I wouldn't want to do Grant hyphen Baldwin because that's going to get freaking confusing. All right. So don't use hyphens. Don't use punctuation. Should all just be spelled out as one word there. 
Now let's talk about uh, where you actually buy domains. A couple other questions that may come up. Where do you buy domains? Again, there's, there's various options. Like I said earlier, I've always just used GoDaddy.com. There's probably better options out there. There's some things I don't, I don't like about GoDaddy, but we've got everything housed there. I've had all my domains there. I've got about 50 or 60 domains. And so we've left them there. It works fine for now. So GoDaddy is an option there. Uh, how much do domains cost? Domains typically cost around $10 per year, $10 per year. Now you can get, there's some various coupons out there that you can get them for that first year for maybe a couple of bucks. If you're wanting to do something like a dot me, I think a couple others, it, I think it ends up being a little bit more per year. But again, the dot com is typically going to be around, around $10 a year or so. Now, once you have your domain, you'll also need to set up hosting, which is where your is basically what your website would actually go on. So you have two different costs there. You'll have your domain name, which is just again that annual fee of just usually like 10 bucks a year or so. And then you'll have the hosting. Now, again, we go in more depth on hosting back in episode 36. But for hosting, we recommend Bluehost. Uh, you can find our affiliate link for Bluehost over at uh, grantbaldwin.com slash Bluehost grantbaldwin.com slash Bluehost. So you have to have both the domain and hosting. And the hosting, again, is where your website would actually sit on is kind of how that would work. And then the domain is what would basically point to that website. So a side note, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but you can actually find an entire page of all of our recommended website tools, vendors, all of that stuff over at thespeakerlab.com slash resources. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash resources. So definitely check that out. All right. So there's the biggest thing I would tell you though. I would say just pick something and get started. Like don't overthink it because picking a domain is not the work. It is not the work. Sometimes we think we're doing the work when we think about stuff like this and, and how we should set up our business structure and getting business cards made. And listen, that stuff, it just isn't important in comparison to actually doing the work of finding and booking speaking gigs, of working on your presentation and your talk. Picking a domain name just in the scheme of things isn't a huge, it's important, but it's not that big of a deal. So if you're like, take a couple minutes, figure out what your domain name should be, then use that, just pick something and go with that and don't overanalyze it, don't overthink it. So lots of great stuff there on domains. Hope that helps you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that discussion and conversation about domain names. What do you do if your name is taken or if it's hard to spell or various spellings, all that stuff. So anyway, I hope that was helpful to you. Hey, again, like I mentioned to you at the top of the show, we do have that freespeakerworkshop.com. We want you to check out. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com. Uh, again, these are just free workshops that we do on a regular basis, teaching you all about how to get started as a speaker. So we teach you about how to find speaking engagements, how much to charge, all of that stuff. So definitely check Check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 59 of the podcast. We will be coming at you later this week with episode 60. I'm going to just tell you right now that episode 60 is probably going to be my favorite episode that we have ever done and may ever do. We may not be able to ever top this. It all goes downhill from here, but we, uh, we are doing an interview with my amazing, wonderful, lovely wife. And yes, that is right. We had a conversation just recently we recorded actually it turned out really really good we, we talked for about an hour all about marriage and business and family and raising kids and so all of that we get into in episode 60 you will hear a conversation with my lovely wife so uh, make sure you uh, check out that episode coming at you on the next one so we will uh, catch you next time my friend you're awesome